folks, welcome into a brand new episode of Trainwreck Fantasy Football. Wake here with some guy named Steve. Steve, I know the Bills won great weekend, but the Rams more rough shape mm. this weekend than the Bills were. How did that ruin your weekend for you? I mean, I was telling you earlier, I had a great weekend, went home, saw some friends, was able to watch games, did well in my NFL bets. And then the Rams decided to lay an egg against the Cardinals. I was so confident coming into that game. But, you know, mm -hmm. silver lining, it's one loss. They're 3-1. and one. I'm not going to overreact to one week. Bills got the job done, too, and a huge, huge game next week, too, for both teams. Bills play the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Rams play Seattle on Thursday night. So I got to look forward, Wake. It's just one week. Am I upset that the just Rams lost to the little little boy Kyler Murray? Yes. yes I am. <laughs> I'd love we'll to see Spencer past. Brown play against Kyler Murray after that that bite <laughs> oh. that came over him yesterday. Oh, that'd be mm -hmm. so funny. <laughs> Joe DiBiase here with us as well. Joe, how much of the game last night did you watch? I had four hundred dollars riding on Bucks minus seven to finish out a parlay, and I'm okay. personally still heartbroken over it. You know, I yeah. Yeah. Man, am I am I getting old or something? I fell asleep in like the third quarter, and I had to watch back the rest of the third and the fourth uh, oh, this that's morning. Um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a big like day to day bet guy. I go for futures bets, so I was a little gotcha. disappointed to see the Rams yesterday because my biggest bet of the season is mm -hmm. Bills to play the Rams in the Super Bowl, which was looking as good as it possibly could have wow. until yesterday. And I'm still confident. Obviously, yeah. we're early. But, uh, yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, had their way with the Rams yesterday. So. Yeah. No, yeah. The one future I have right now, the Colts helped me out a little bit. I, it's like five division winners, and the Colts mm. are by far the one I'm feeling the least good about right now. Uh, hey, I think man. Did, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> you, can't, you can't feel that bad. The team above them did lose to the New York Jets yesterday. Exactly. And I yeah. said I wanted to bet on the Jets, too. Yeah, I didn't. I did. got bullied out of it. Peer pressure is a hell oh. of a drug. But, <laughs> you know, we'll try to peer pressure you guys into taking some of our fantasy football advice right now. We're doing fantasy fallout, talking about week four of the NFL. And I got a name that I'm guessing you guys probably weren't expecting to hear. Most people probably aren't expecting to hear on a fantasy football podcast in 2021. Um, and it's Max Williams in Arizona. Mm. I mean, the target distribution in Arizona has been extremely even. Six players over 16 targets, no one's over 25. And if you take out the first game of the season, Max Williams only had one target in that one. I'm calling it an outlier. It was a weird game against the Titans when they were blowing them out. But since week one, since after that game, A.J. Green leads the team with 18 targets. D-Hop and Edmonds actually have 17. And then Max Williams is fourth in the pecking order with 15. He's ahead of Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk, who both have 13 targets. And that's low volume for all these guys. But as far as tight ends go, if you're getting five targets a game coming from the person who's the front runner for MVP, debatably at this point, and Kyler Murray, that's a really good player to slot into your starting tight end spot. He's being used as a vertical threat and a safety blanket. And yes, that week one dud was bad. He kind of had another dud in week three. But in the other two weeks, he's gotten like 12 points in PPR formats. And I think this week he had like five catches, 60-some yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, in a, in a position where it's just, we say it every week, it's a wasteland. You can do a lot worse than Max Williams in, in your starting tight end spot, especially with the role that Kyler Murray's on right now. Yeah, I mean, of course, you have to make me talk about a Cardinals player as the first topic, Wake, but Max Williams is someone who's yeah, you had know two, yeah, two top you know, mm -hmm. tight end weeks in the last three weeks, and the Cardinals offense, I hate saying this, it looks elite. It looks very, very good, and Max Williams is being used in the red zone as well. Tight ends of Wasteland this year. We've been preaching this every single week, Wake, and no matter what fantasy show we're on, 
And if you can get a guy like Max Williams, who's in a good offense and is involved in a good offense, I'm mm. fine with it. And I think week one, they were killing the Titans. That game was yeah, exactly. over before it started. So they really didn't need to pass too much kind of phased out of the game plan. I'm not too worried about it. And we shouldn't be worried about the past. That was four weeks ago. Now we're already yeah. going into week five of the NFL season. And Max Williams is definitely someone who right now he's rostered in 3% of ESPN leagues. He's going to be a very too common low. waiver yeah. claim, but he's someone I think going forward could be a top 12 tight end, which means AKA you should be starting him. I think yeah. I think he could slide into like a backdoor tight end one on the season. I see his mm-hmm. yeah. upside as being limited though. So yeah. oh, for you sure. know, like you mentioned, tight ends of wasteland. If you've got one of the top guys on a bye week, I think you could do a lot worse than Max Williams. And mm-hmm. if you're desperate at the position, then I think you could do a lot worse than Max Williams. The reason I see his upside being capped, like I could I could see him being between six and twelve, but I don't mm-hmm. think he has it within him to be top six. Right. Just because the Cardinals have so many other options. Yeah, yeah that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, if he's touchdown mm-hmm. dependent, like DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the first look. AJ Green is going to get his looks in the red zone, and Kyler mm-hmm. Murray's running ability is right. going to create some scrambles mm-hmm. uh, for touchdowns himself. So to me, he's third in the pecking order for touchdowns. But again, the way touch tight end is at this point, almost everybody is touchdown dependent, <laughs> and yeah. on a pass happy offense like Arizona, if you're going to take a flyer on a, a team starting tight end, then I kind of like the Cardinals for like, again, not week to week, but yeah. once in a while, if you got to do it, then I'm, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have him and like Dawson Knox and you're going back and forth between the two, that's a really yes. good situation. Um, last thing I'll say on him is the only target that he hasn't caught in the entire season was that one target he got in week one. He's got all 15 targets that have gone his way since then. So um, he's being efficient with it too, which is, which is another piece of the puzzle. Uh, Steve, What's one of your big takeaways from week four? So uh, he's had a slow start to the year, but I'm buying low on Alvin Kamara, and I'm really trying to do what I can to get Alvin Kamara. Right now he's outside the RB1. I think he was 14th ranked running back coming into this week. He's even lower now. But there's two really good signs for Alvin Kamara. He's third in the NFL in carries this year with 78, and he's sixth in the NFL in rushing yards with 297. And those are two stats I didn't – even think I was as high on anyone could be an Alvin Kamara. I said I'd take him as like the second or third running back off the board this year. I didn't expect him to be top five in carries, potential top five in rushing yards. I took him wake because of the receiving upside. And we yeah. haven't seen that right now. He's on career high paces for both carries and yards, which is very encouraging, but career lows for targets and receptions, just 14 targets and 10 receptions through four weeks. Saints offense hasn't looked great. But the Saints offense, the focal point is Alvin Kamara, and it will be that even when Michael Thomas comes back, he's going to get involved in the receiving game. It will regress to the mean. But I think the big, the good news about why I want to buy low on Alvin Kamara is I didn't expect him to be a workhorse running back in terms of rushing, and that's what he's been so far this year. He had his career high in carries in week three, and then he broke it again in week four. He just didn't score a touchdown because Taysom Hill vultured two, and he had zero targets last week. So I think Alvin Kamara is a sneaky buy low because anyone who drafted Alvin Kamara, they probably paid a top four, top five draft capital on him. They're frustrated with him. He really hasn't returned that boom week yet. He had one week over 20 points in a PPR league. Other than that, it's been pretty disappointing. 
And he's only scored two touchdowns. He hasn't been involved too much in the receiving game, but he's getting all the carries. And that's what makes me want to get as much Alvin Kamara as I can because that was the biggest question mark coming into the year. Can he handle a workhorse load? It looks like he can. The big weeks are coming. Stay patient. And if you don't have him, try and go get him. Yeah, career lows right now in catch percentage, yards per target. Yeah, uh, everything so far like that right now. I mean, the, the regression is going to come. I love the call, Steve. I, I think it's just going to look different. I think Kamara's still yeah, exactly. going to be a top running back, but it mm-hmm. might look similar to what you've seen from Nick Chubb over the years, as opposed to what it's looked like from Alvin Kamara, where mm-hmm. he's racking up 100 catches. Maybe instead he only ends up with 30, 40, maybe 50 catches, but because he gets in the touchdown – uh, he, I still think he could end up with double-digit touchdowns. I just I think too. Oh, yeah. his, his role in that offense, like, it does run through him. It's just doing mm-hmm. it in, again, like Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, like the the grounded pound type of style as opposed to the dump-offs from Drew Brees. So I, I think that's the plan for the Saints on offense. And just because it, you could get someone to overreact to that. You could get someone to look yeah. at his receiving totals and think, mm-hmm. oh, no, what's wrong with Alvin Kamara? And they might be short-sighted in seeing that there is additional opportunity in other areas for him. And that's why if someone was selling him right now, which I could see happening, he's running back 13 in PPR right now, and most people would have drafted mm-hmm. him as the, the third or fourth running back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, I like him as a buy-low candidate right now as well because I do think the touchdown, the touchdown opportunity is going to come even if the receiving doesn't. Right. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you, know, you followed that up really well, Joe. We'll let you keep going. What's one of your takeaways from yeah, week, let- week four? I'm going to stick with running back, but I'm going to go from a very nice. big name to a guy that maybe a lot of people haven't even really heard of. Uh, uh-huh. Deep flyer this week. Take a take a flyer on Jeremy McNichols. God damn, that was going to be mine. <laughs> that that was going to be mine, yeah. yeah. I'll find another. Little, little waiver damn. wire pickup. He's only mm-hmm. rostered 4% of leagues, so me and you, there's not many others that would have been uh, no. him on the radar. <laughs> um, but yesterday, 12 targets. He gets 8 catches for 74 yards on those 12 targets, only one carry for 11 yards, but I'm not going to need the carries from Jeremy McNichols. In fact, watching a lot of that game that they showed on red zone yesterday, they're using him split out wide. They're using him out of with screens out of the backfield. The thing that actually he reminded me of was the way they used to use Johnu Smith was they would get Johnu Smith in space and they would utilize his ability to make people miss and create yards after the catch and Smith just happened to be a tight end. Nichols just happens to be a running back. Without Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, who really aren't the screen-type receivers anyway, mm-hmm. they don't really have that player elsewhere. So even though his target share was not huge before that, he does lead the team with 21 targets. Um, but again, 12 of them did come yesterday with Brown and Jones out of the lineup. I think you're going to see a steady increase in his workload. I think he looked really strong. Uh, on those screenplays like the speed was there the burst was there he looked like a weapon that they can continue to utilize and by the way if you want are someone that believes well he only got that workload because jones and brown missed the Mm -hmm. game both of those players have dealt with injuries over the years so even if they come back next week or the week after that brown dealt with leg injuries and knee injuries all last year we know julio has been questionable for almost every game of his career it seems so to me (laughs) Those one of those two, if not both of them, will continue to kind of be banged up through the year. I think Nick Nichols, um, maybe he's capped, 
because I think other than mm-hmm. a Derrick Henry injury, he's mm-hmm. not going to be giving you weak winning types of performances. But that James White, Giovanni Bernard, like that mm-hmm. plug and play receiving back, Naheem mm-hmm. Hines is probably a better name for that. I, All I names that I have being, in my Google Doc right now. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, could, I could see him being like this year's version of Naheem Hines. Yeah, no, like the the Titans offense as a whole has just been kind of pitiful this year so far, and they're looking for something to kind of opening it open it up. Yesterday against the Jets, like I, I'm on Long Island, so unfortunately I was forced to watch the Giants and the Jets games yesterday. <laughs> Overtime wins won. for both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they both won. Fun games. I guess so, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I mean the key and Derrick Henry were the only people in the Titans offense with a pulse whatsoever, and the Titans for a while in that game were only moving the ball through McNichols and through Derrick Henry. Yeah. Once the Jets finally had to put attention on McNichols coming out of the backfield, that's when Westbrook, Rogers, Josh Reynolds, that's when they were able to get free and start to go down the field and almost win the game in overtime, but they didn't. Um, you know we've seen running backs who aren't the RB ones on their team finishes top 10 running backs. And, you know, Joe put out, pointed out a lot of the names, James White, Tariq Cohen, Naeem Hines. And, you know, this is, this is a guy who, if the Titans want their offense to be as good as it was, as it was last year, they're missing that Johnu Smith. That's something I literally had in my Google doc too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jeremy McNichols. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Jeremy McNichols could be the key uh, for them well, getting back to where they were. Good thing we're not in any leagues together because there might be a fab bidding war. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be both putting like 10% of our fab on Jeremy McNichols. Yeah. And then be, oh my that's, God. That's a good question for you, though. Like, if you have your whole budget left, and a lot of yeah. people would still have that, how much are you using on McNichols? It's week four. And it, I mean, I, it's so I, I would probably go 15%, that, no more that, than that, 20. Yeah. I was thinking, no, that's actually what I was thinking. Like, I would not wow. go above 20. Um, yeah. Because even could, though he had a good game, there I don't think the demand for him is going to be crazy. Yeah. No, and it's purely spectacular. That's why I think ahead, you could Steve. get a, a discount on him in Fab. Yeah. Right? I think you really even don't have to go over ten percent, maybe five percent. Because what do we think about when we think about a Titans running back? Like, oh, that's Derrick Henry. It's just injury right. dependency. But people who didn't watch the Titans Jets game, McNichols had a clear role in that game. And whether or not it was because AJ Brown and Julio was out, yeah, his role might be a little lessened. But those Titans receivers, none of them impressed me. McNichols was the most impressive in the passing game. And it was a lot of dump-off, short-yarded situations. But, hey, just like Kareem Hunt, just like yep. Naeem Mines, he's the second, you know, back in that offense who has a role. And people are just going to oversight that because he's on Derrick Henry's team. Right. And, by the way, if Henry were to get hurt at some point this year, mm-hmm. oh my God, could provide league-winning type of Yes. Pressure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone who I don't think is going to provide any league-winning upside now. Kind of now negative takeaways. I've tried to be positive with most of mine. Um, mm. But plan on benching Chris Carson if you have him this week against the Rams. Ooh, okay. It stinks. It really stinks. But this week against the 49ers, it's the second time in the four weeks of the season that he rushed for less than 2.4 yards a carry, gotten just 12 or 13 carries in each of the last three weeks. And one of the reasons I was actually okay with drafting him in like the third or the fourth round this year is because I didn't think he had any competition in that backfield. Well, apparently Alex Collins counts for competition in that backfield <laughs> because he had 4.4 yards yeah. a carry and a touchdown, which is a lot better than 2.31 and no touchdowns, which is what Chris Carson did this past week. And this is going to be like a 50-50 timeshare now. Pete Carroll is terrible with running backs and their usage and I just I don't trust that he's going to be putting the better player on the field don't know what's going on with Carson didn't watch the game just box score watching honestly 
but he's not returning value right now. And against the Rams with a diminished workload, you should probably be surfing the waiver wire in free agency, looking for someone to plug in for him if you don't already have that option on your roster, unfortunately, for week five. Yeah, I mean, and Collins looked better than him last week, too. And the it's biggest weird. You know, concern so weird. for me was it wasn't an injury. And they said that. The Seahawks said it was not an injury why Collins was playing. It's just Carson didn't look great. They plugged yep. in Collins, and Collins looked a little bit better. And I was never too high on Chris Carson. I just never thought of him as the most talented running back coming into this year. And I like the Seahawks as a pass-first offense, so that's why I was kind of down on him. Now I'm even more so awake because if this turns into a 50-50 split, I don't think you can trust either one, regardless if it's Carson or Collins, regardless who they say is starting going forward. I hate, you know, avoiding situations where it's a 50-50 split and Carson hasn't done anything to show he's worth getting a workhorse type lo- uh, workload. No. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I don't know what I would do with Carson at this point. Do you, like, would yeah. you be benching him because you drafted him as a starter and you might not have an alternative. Exactly. Um, but I'd be yeah. open to it. Like if you had, if you had stashed Daryl Henderson before the season, if you had mm-hmm. like Joe Latavius Murray, minutes, Latavius Murray, it came out yeah. 10 minutes ago. Joe Mixon is week to week. Like if you want to start, oh my Samaje, God, that team is in shambles. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like if you want to yeah. start Samaje P Ryan next week, I don't even know that I would hate that over a Chris Carson. Um, it's just, he's never been one of my favorites because he's always just kind of, he's just kind of there. Like, you know, you're going to get, between running back 12 and running back 21 and that's not really going to excite you all that much and again i'm the type of guy that's looking for that high ceiling looking for that league winning type potential that i mentioned a second ago with like mcnichols if henry were to go down and carson has just never really presented that to me and the fact that alex collins is now siphoning away opportunities from Mm -hmm. him to me is only hurting him even more amazing by the way those two are the same age because it feels like alex collins is 30 35 years old but I think part of that's because he like went away for a while and now he's back. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be buying anything on the Seattle uh, backfield right now. You mentioned Joe Mixon. Team Urban Meyer Wiener is is decimated right now. That's a oh my god. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Uh, low grade ankle sprain week to week per source. So ankles are not fun for running backs. <laughs> Those no. linger. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. Well. That's not great. Steve, make me feel better. Give me give me someone that I can pick up. Do you have a running back that's on the waiver wire for any of yours? Is that one of them? Or... <sighs> I mean, it's not a specific player, but yeah. I think my next takeaway is regardless of whatever team it is, whatever their passing attack is, I want to play their receiving options against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is bad. As good as the it's offense really is bad. for the Chiefs, the defense is the opposite, and you Go can build. expose them in the receiving game. The Chiefs defense right now is allowing – 291 passing yards per game. They faced the Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers, and now the Eagles. And yes, I have loved Jalen Hurts, but Jalen Hurts isn't a guy who throws for 300 a week. Baker Mayfield isn't someone who throws for 300 a week. And then you had the Ravens, who are run-first offense, and you're still getting wide receiver one production out of the top options. Jarvis Landry, who you hate, Wake, and you have made that very prevalent all year. He had 19 points in week one against the Chiefs defense. Marquise Brown had 23. Mike Williams had 33. And now this past week, Devonta Smith had 19. But you're also getting the secondary receiver option having a good week this past week dallas goddard had 17 ppr points you had keenan allen with 19 ppr points the week before mark had andrews had 11 and in 
week one, Anthony Schwartz, who was the Browns' number two receiving option, <laughs> had 12 points, which is fine. So I think going forward, this is a sneaky spot to try to stream receivers. Yeah, they play the Bills this week, so maybe you know Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley are most likely owned in your leagues. But the next week ahead, you got Washington, who has Diami Brown, Curtis Samuel, who are sneaky guys you could start and play. The Titans, you never know with like the injuries there. Yes, they have A.J. Brown and they have Julio Jones. But with injuries, you could get Rodgers in there. You could get Josh Reynolds, even Jeremy McNichols, who you talked about, as a receiving option. Dare I say our sweet prince, Anthony Ferkser? Nah, he looked bad yesterday. I'm sorry. He looked bad no, yesterday. But I'm, saying I'm Chiefs- taking away his crown. <laughs> the Chiefs defense is a defense I yeah. want to attack all year long. I think people confuse, you know, real life with fantasy and they're like, oh, this is a good team. I don't want to play, you know, players against a good team. It's the opposite for me. I want to play as many guys as I can against this Chiefs defense because on the other side of the ball, Pat Mahomes is scoring. This team's going to have to answer, and we saw that with the Eagles. Jalen Hurts looked like Drew Brees out there with the amount of times he was throwing during the game. You want to pass on the Chiefs defense, and I think going forward, you can find waiver wire pickups all year long to play against them. Yeah, I, and, I, I might want to throw the know. Buccaneers in that mix too, by the way. Yeah. They're allowing yeah. historical mm-hmm. numbers through the pass game. Mm-hmm. And yesterday yeah. was arguably their best performance against the pass. Yeah. And Mac Jones was 31 of 40 for 275. Like mm-hmm. it, you shouldn't be allowing Mac Jones for 275 right. yards. Uh, if you have a competent defense, they were picking on Richard Sherman right yep. off the bat. I think it was, it was evident that he is slow at this point in his career. I think we were already, already wondering that yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the chiefs are better for this, but I would say keep an eye on Tampa for that yeah. too. If, if they don't get healthy in the secondary, they could be a defense you could pick on as well. Yeah. And, no, it's a- and- Another example, Tampa, another great team with a great offense. People just don't right. think of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and, you know, I'll use this opportunity to do a little victory lap. Both t- both touchdowns scored against the Bucks last night were by tight ends, and one of my takeaways mm-hmm. last week or two weeks ago, stream tight ends yeah. against the Buccaneers. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs, obviously they get the Bills next week. We all know that. So, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis, everybody yeah. on the Bills offense is literally flex possible. Um, yes. You know, not everyone's going to return value, but five out of seven of the players that you could think about starting probably will. Um, mm. So do love do love that one. Joe, uh, give us your second takeaway. I'm going to go with a quarterback here. I'm, a, I'm, okay. I'm on the optimistic side today. I don't really have anybody that I'm hating. I, okay. I'm ready to I'm ready to graduate Daniel Jones from reliable Ooh. streamer to wow. week week to week starter. I, I'm wow. ready to, yep. to commit to Daniel Jones as my fantasy quarterback and not just play the matchups. Although he does have a lot of favorable matchups down the stretch uh, of the rest of his schedule. He's got Dallas this coming week, even though it's on the road. He's got the Chiefs, as you mentioned, in week eight. He's got Tampa in week 11, mm-hmm. Philly in weeks 12 and 16. There's Dallas again in week 15. Miami's look pitiful through the uh, yeah. against the against the pass. They, he's got them in week 13. Jones is actually looking like a good quarterback. Yeah, like it's it's kind of amazing because it's uncomfortable, but it's amazing. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> like I, I don't know if I want to buy into it. I don't know if the Giants are buying into it because usually you see signs of what's happened so far before year three. I know Josh Allen did that, but Josh Allen is very historical for what he did mm-hmm. from year two to year three, and Jones mm-hmm. isn't doing that. But there has definitely been an ascension. They're from yes. Daniel Jones. He threw an interception yesterday. He had the second longest streak in the NFL of attempts without a pick behind Kirk Cousins. So the that, turnover problem 
has mm-hmm. largely gone away. He mm-hmm. is throwing the ball with volume. He did it yesterday against one of the tougher defenses he had left to play in the New Orleans Saints on the road. And he did it with his number two receiver, Sterling Shepard, and his number three receiver, Darius Slayton, on the yep. bench. And by the way, on top of all of that, he's running the football. He's got 27 rush attempts on the season, two rushing touchdowns. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen, but he's definitely one of the more mobile starting quarterbacks in the league. I think it's all coming together for Daniel Jones, not just as a starting quarterback in the league, but as a fantasy quarterback that's giving you pass volume, and he's giving Mm -hmm. you a little bit of that rushing flair on top. So I'm ready to commit. I'm going above great streaming option, and I'm saying pick up Daniel Jones and just ride the wave until it stops. Yeah, no, he, he's it. very, very safe. I mean, his lowest point total this year is 16.54. Everything else is his one other bad start, bad, is 21 points. And then everything else is higher than 26. Like, that's yeah. that's spectacular. If, if, you, if your floor is 17 points, you are a QB1. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I think Joe touched on it. The biggest thing, the turnovers have gone down. Only one fumble, mm-hmm. too. Everyone talks about Daniel Jones as he fumbles all the time. Only one fumble so far, and he's running. We talked in the offseason how much we like Jalen Hurts because we yeah. think he could take that next step up. And if he does with the next step up with the passing, the rushing's going to be there. Daniel Jones is basically doing what we expected from Hurts. Yes, Hurts has been great, too. But I didn't expect this from Daniel Jones. And not only is he getting better with the you know fantasy stats, he's passing the eye test this year. Daniel Jones, I, I thought, was a bad quarterback. And I've watched him this year, and he's actually looked like a competent, decent quarterback in the games I've watched. Daniel Jones is someone everyone thinks is a bust. They just kind of coined that phrase on him from his first game in the league, kind of similar to Allen. Everyone's like, oh, this guy's a bust. And you have to you know take a couple of years to prove everyone wrong. Daniel Jones is slowly proving people wrong. I I love that call. It was actually one of the ones I was considering as a takeaway, oh, nice. and I was like, ah, I won't I won't bring up Daniel Jones. So I'm glad you did, Joe. I I love that. Yeah, we're all stepping on each other's toes this morning. I kind of love it. <laughs> um, you know, for a while it was kind of think we the mindset with Daniel Jones in fantasy was his rushing upside would just mitigate his turnovers. If the turnovers right. are gone, you know, yeah. that's just that's that's an extra two points a week minimum for Daniel Jones the, with the way he played before. Um, I put together my third one kind of quickly here. Basically, <laughs> it's going to be Robert Woods is going to be just fine. And the window to buy low is ending because he just had a touchdown this past week, but he's still the 48th ranked receiver in all of fantasy. Uh, Cooper Cup, he was off to a ridiculous start. He was he had the most touchdowns for a Rams player mm-hmm. since who was it? Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch. And if you're and if you're putting up a, a record that that only Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch has bested you in, <laughs> um, then then you know you're off to a crazy start. And that's right. not going to last the entire season. Cooper Cup, you know, we, we, I was kind of on the Cooper Cup ascension this season. I thought mm-hmm. he was still kind of undervalued. Um, but I thought Woods was appropriately valued, and he's not living up to the draft stock yet. He absolutely will, especially if you look at the, the teams that he has to play. I believe he gets uh, Seattle in this next upcoming week, so the, the window to buy low is literally before Sunday at 1 p.m. or Thursday. 4.30. Thursday. Thursday? Oh, so it's before Thursday uh, before yeah. they play. That's when the window to buy low on Robert Woods ends. After that, he gets the Giants, Lions, Titans, Texans, I mean, it's a it's a t- it's an easy schedule for him up until the bye. It's it a little difficult after, but in fantasy playoff season, he gets the Jaguars, the Cardinals, the Seahawks. It's it's a good schedule for him. So buy low on him while you can. Bobby Trees is going to blossom as the season goes on. 
terrible pun. I, I just made it up now. Bobby Trees. I, Bobby I Trees. That. I love that call, Wake. I think, you know, as the Rams fan, I can say that Sean McVay, I've watched this offense for long enough, he is not going to force feed anyone. It's who's no. open, it's who's in the scheme, and that's how the Rams play. And for the first time, basically, in my life yesterday, I saw Cooper Cup getting doubled and triple teamed. And Sean McVay will not allow you to do that against this offense. Yes, Cooper Cup has been amazing so far this year. I think he's got double-digit targets in every single game. But Robert Woods was has been great for the Rams ever since he was there, and he is mm -hmm. easily the number two option in this offense. I still think it's 1A, 1B, and I think we'll see more of that as the year goes on. But the Rams are not just going to force feed Cooper Cup like he's the number one receiver all year long, especially if he keeps getting these double teams. Robert mm -hmm. Woods, it was a little bit in garbage time where he got his fantasy production, but he's going to have a role in this offense going forward. And I, like you said, this is probably the lowest point of the year to to get him at. So why not take a shot? Because you can get him very, very cheap. The only thing that's worrying me about him is mm -hmm. he's a receiver that's built on his volume. He's mm -hmm. really never been a big right. touchdown player in his career. And his volume is being cut into a little bit by Van Jefferson right now. Yes, um, that's true. A little bit. You know, not to a crazy extent where I wouldn't be buying low on Woods because I do think Woods is a better player at this mm -hmm. point. And I think that the gap between Cup and Woods is the one that's going to – it's going to even out a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think Cup will still be the one, the 1A and Woods the 1B. But 46 targets to 25, like I don't think that rate is going to continue. So I think right. you'll, you'll start to see the pedigree shift a little bit. Woods will be – start to inch closer to cup than I think he is right now, which he's pretty close to Van Jefferson in terms of targets. Mm -hmm. But I think Jefferson being there does cap his upside to me. And I, I, I question whether or not he can, he can get in around that wide receiver one range. Like he's always flirted with in, in past mm -hmm. years, but start better than he's been for sure. In my opinion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he's a wide receiver four. He's actually a bad wide receiver four, being wide receiver 48 mm -hmm. on the year. That's like the very last one I see him. He could, he should finish the year at the very least as a top notch wide receiver three. So you could probably you could okay. probably trade someone like Emmanuel Sanders for him right now, yeah. who, you know, maybe could fall in the pecking yeah. order throughout the season in the Bills. Um, also a guy who's had trouble staying healthy. So Sanders for Robert Woods might actually be a good trade to make now that I think about it. <laughs> Steve, give us your third takeaway for this week. So I got another volume dependent wide receiver. He's owned in 14% of ESPN leagues right now. Go get Jamison Crowder. We talked this past Thursday, Wake, that we don't want any part of the Jets' offense. Well, you know what? I'm going to go back on that. I do want <laughs> Jamison Crowder. In his first game back this year, first game healthy, he led oh, the wow. Jets in targets yeah. with nine, led him in receptions with seven. He had 61 yards and a touchdown. And he was the guy Zach Wilson was looking for late in the game when he needed an, a completion. He was targeted in the red zone, and those are very encouraging signs. And not to mention – for the first week, I think all year, I think Zach Wilson looked good. He made a lot of good throws. Yeah. He played very well. That touchdown to Corey Davis was really yep. nice. Like he went him down the field, directed traffic. It was Perfect. impressive. And Jameson mm -hmm. Crowder is a match made in heaven for rookie quarterbacks. He is that safety valve wideout that runs those intermediate routes in the slot. And he always seems to get open. And everyone overlooks Crowder. I don't understand it. 
since he's been on the Jets in 28 games, he's averaging 7.5 targets per week, 4.9 receptions per week, and 55 receiving yards. You take everything else away, say he scores zero touchdowns the rest of the year, his like floor is 11 fantasy points per week. And I think wow. as if someone who's free right now, owned in 14% of leagues, I would love to have someone like that that you could just have in your lineup and just be a steady Eddie the rest of the way. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Even with Elijah Moore comes back, I think Crowder will be maybe the number one option in this offense in terms of volume because he just runs those routes that are perfect for young QBs that just, you know, build the confidence. They get those safe completions. And the Jets are probably going to get blown out in a lot of games this year. I, I know they beat the Titans this past week, but I don't think anything about the Jets being a good team. I still think they're not a great football team. Jamison Crowder had in his career has been a king of garbage time. I think that continues as well. He's just going to get peppered with targets all year. And he's someone everyone overlooks because he's a New York Jet. I would spend probably 20, 25% of fab on him as well. Yeah. I really like Jamison Crowder as someone that you just don't have to worry about. Plug him in your lineup and forget about it. Even when it was Darnold there, he was one of the few receivers you could kind of count on week in and week mm -hmm. out. So to see that right. go from one coaching staff to another is something mm -hmm. you don't often see. Um, so, so that's right. something that's really promising. Joe, how are you feeling about the Jets receiver? I think uh, if Zach Wilson looks the way he did yesterday, making some of the throws he did, then I think you could take a I think you could take a throw a dart on any of the Jets receivers, mm -hmm. but uh, Crowder would be one of the ones I'm more favorably looking at. Yeah. Uh, but again, mm -hmm. it's going to come down to Wilson. He was making some awesome touch throws yes. yesterday. Uh, it looked like he was able to rely on Crowder over the middle of the field, and he had time to throw the football. So I think those things have to come together. Um, but I was optimistic after seeing what it looked like yesterday because Wilson had some special throws yes. uh, mm -hmm. down the field. Yeah, and that interception that he had was not a real interception. Corey Davis kind of just fell down, and then yeah. if he didn't, it would have been a catch. So, you know, it's – yeah, that's one game where box score watching does not exactly do it justice. Uh, but, Joe, we got one more takeaway here. Right. It's yours, so get us out of the show. Current Jet to former Jet, uh, Robbie Anderson. I, I would say mm. stick with Robbie Anderson. Oh. Don't overreact. Don't drop okay. him. And I would even argue that you can still keep him in your starting lineup. It's gone about as horrible as it possibly could have through the first four games of the season. But what we saw going into this past week was Matt Rule saying that we needed, not wanted to, but we needed Robbie Anderson to get the ball more often. They just gave him a three-year $37 million contract. And no doubt, DJ Moore is the number one yes. in that offense. There is no disputing that. He had 12 targets yesterday, and he produced with them. Anderson yesterday, 11 targets, but only five catches for 46 yards. So at least we saw the commitment to want to get Anderson involved in the offense. I'm still believing that it's going to happen. I think he's a good player. He's a player that gets open. And this is an offense last year that – we saw was able to feed three different pass catchers. Curtis Samuel, yeah. even in the mix, was good mm -hmm. for fantasy last year. We know Anderson was. We know DJ Moore was. This year, it's really going to continue to be just rock, just DJ Moore in the pass game, and that's it? I, no. I think a lot of what you've seen so far is you're down on Robbie Anderson because Sam Darnold has five rushing touchdowns. Like yeah. There's <laughs> only been so many touchdown opportunities for – Panther pass catchers because Darnold is running the ball in and all of that right now is going to DJ Moore, who, by the way, has not been a big touchdown player 
throughout mm-hmm. his career. So I think the touchdown opportunities are going to come for Robbie Anderson because Darnold is not going to run for 17 rushing touchdowns this season. <laughs> and some of those I think are going to go Anderson's way. I think he'll start to get on the same page with Sam Darnold. I Will it look as good as it did with Teddy Bridgewater last year? I'm not going to bet on that. But I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a lot better than wide receiver 68. And I think he'll turn into, yeah. because of the volume, the big play potential, and I think there'll be an increase in touchdowns. I think he'll turn into a solid flex player at some point. So I would just say don't drop him uh, just mm-hmm. yet, even though you might want to. Yeah, yeah, I do like it's similar to the Cooper Cup Robert Woods argument is that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can only be just the Cooper Cup show for so long. DJ Moore, like you said, he's not a touchdown guy. Three touchdowns in the first four weeks of the season. I think he had five all of last season. Or it was five, maybe maybe I six. Think for his career, a, yeah, is not yeah. very not a very high number. And Robbie Anderson, a reliable like sure-handed receiver, has only got a forty-five point five catch percentage right now. That's definitely going to go up. And if, if that went up, if that was say like sixty percent, he would have like five more catches right now, probably fifty more yards. At the very least, he actually has almost 15 yards for reception. So that'd be that would be almost like an entire RB or wide receiver three week if he just caught 15 more percent of his passes. So um, I do love it. I, w- I would say if someone offers you like a sell high kind or buy low kind of trade, I would mm-hmm. consider trading him if it's the right cost. Um, you know, if it's something that you know just makes sense Ooh. based on your lineup. But I don't know. I can't think of anyone I know I would be comfortable trading yeah. Robbie Anderson for because the upside's there. Yeah, and the upside for big play potential too, right? We saw his time in the Jets when he played with Darnold. He was used as a deep threat, and we haven't really seen that yet for this Carolina offense. Robbie Anderson is someone who can get your weak value on just one 80-yard bomb. And if he's getting targets, it was really encouraging. He didn't do great with them, but he got 11 targets last week. I think we're going to see him more involved in the offense, and I love taking a chance on those big play potential guys. And right now you can basically get Robbie Anderson for pennies on the dollar. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is going to be the end of our show here. But if you maybe think Chris Carson can be an RB1 the rest of the season, I don't. Do you think that maybe Daniel Jones is not a QB1? Joe wouldn't agree with you. But if you think these things... Let us know. Tag us at TWS Fantasy on Twitter, and we would love to get in some Twitter fights with you guys. Not about the Bills. Let's fight about something else. Let's not fight about (laughs) Jaquan Johnson versus DeMar Hamlin. We're going to win by 40 anyways. Let's fight about some fantasy on Twitter. That'll do it for us here. Joe, thanks again for being here. Excited to chop it up with you again next week. Steve, you and I will be live for Fantasy uh, Week 5 game-by-game analysis on Thursday night at 5 p.m., so everyone stay tuned for that. But until then, for all of you in Rex Sports, 